This episode of the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast is sponsored by AWS Energy. AWS brings the most advanced and secure cloud services and deep industry expertise across energy, utilities, and sustainable energy sectors. Together with a broad partner ecosystem, AWS is accelerating the energy transition through practical innovations to deliver energy efficiently, reliably, sustainably, and responsibly. Learn more at aws.amazon.com slash energy. Humanity is growing and connecting. Tomorrow's world needs more energy from more places. But to find our net zero future, we must overcome the natural constraints of many new energy sources. This is the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, where we look at the energy challenges of modern life and the innovators finding solutions. Join us for a low-carbon, high-energy conversation with your host, Joe Battier. This views of the host are his own and should not be viewed as those of any business, corporation, or government entity. Hello, and welcome to the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast brought to you by AWS Energy. I'm your host, Joe Battier. This is the show where we bring you low-carbon, high-energy stories from the people solving the energy challenges of modern life. Today, I have a special treat for you. I recorded a podcast. I recorded it live as a panel session back in October at the Geothermal Rising Conference. So now I am releasing that. For all of you who were not at the Geothermal Rising Conference, now you get a chance to hear what we were talking about. And really, the whole conversation was about how do we make a more cohesive geothermal industry when we have all of these different ideas, different technologies, different ways to go about implementing geothermal energy, and really what because geothermal energy and the definition of it is so large, how do we actually make something that is cohesive that covers everything from geothermal heat pumps that are targeting, say, 500 feet down into the surface and just using the earth as a a geo-exchange medium versus things like super hot rock, where we're targeting five, six, seven, even 10 kilometers down into the subsurface and targeting temperatures greater than 450 degrees Celsius. How do we make an industry that covers all of those things that still is one unified body that can also advance projects and advance geothermal energy? So that's what the conversation was about. Before we get into that, I just wanted to say just a a quick little snippet on Geothermal Rising and the conference this year. It was really, really exciting. This was one of the biggest conferences that we've had yet. Every other year, it's in Reno, Nevada. This year was one of those Reno, Nevada years, which it's always fun to go back to the pepper mill to Reno and, and get to see that part of the country and see geothermal energy in action because the pepper mill actually utilizes some geothermal wells they've drilled on site for a lot of their heating and hot water use. That was a little side note though. What 
I found very exciting was the change in the dynamic of the GRC this year. There were new new entities, new groups, and a lot of new energy that was showing up. Some of those that I wanted to highlight were Aviva. For those of you who have been following the podcast kind of since the beginning or who are using AWS, Aviva is one of those companies that is in the cloud. They develop and build cloud-based solutions for the energy industry. And Aviva was actually one of the sponsors of the GRC this year. This was the first time I've seen Aviva there, which is super exciting because they had they were advertising their their power and utilities solutions to the geothermal industry. So it's just really exciting to see all of these new developments like Aviva. Another one that was was an advertiser and who I think had a booth was Siemens Energy. You'll see Siemens Energy, they develop all of these different technologies. And actually, I've worked with Siemens in the past, going all the way back to the 2010 to 2015 timeframe, developing parts of the geothermal database known as the National Geothermal Data System. They helped build out one of the nodes that hosts a lot of that data. So they've been working in the geothermal industry in a peripheral sense for a very long time. But now they are actually saying, hey, here we are, Siemens Energy. We can help you develop things like cloud-based solutions and softwares, or they can even go into the hardware space, similar to the recent conversations I've had talking about the about the the newest, largest, fastest spinning natural gas genset out there. So it's just really exciting to see these new people entering and advertising to the geothermal space. And one that, that was also very interesting was Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, Canada, having a flyer at the Geothermal Rising Conference, having advertising that they want geothermal energy to be developed on their island in an area that typically you would think maybe doesn't have traditional geothermal resources. But here they are saying, we want developers. Come here, come invest in our area, come develop new projects. So those are just three of the new people new companies or new areas or new government entities that I met this past year at GRC. It's very exciting to think about. And now we are going to get to the podcast panel that I hosted and hopefully just hear a little bit more about how the industry as a whole is working together. So enough of me rambling. We are six minutes in. Let's get to that recording with our esteemed guests. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you like this style, feel free to leave a comment, share this, as I say at the end of the podcast, share this podcast with some friends, with some family, and tell me what you're enjoying or what you'd like to hear more of. If you like this style of multiple guests and more rapid fire, 
let me know and we can get more of these podcasts out there. So with that, let's get to the main show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to do something new. It is time to have a live podcast here on stage. And I hope that you are ready for it. We're now ready to dive into our next exciting segment where we will have Dr. Joseph Batir. Now, together with his fantastic panel, he will talk about, he is, sorry, I'm introducing you, Joseph. You have such a long title. It takes me a long time here. Holds a PhD in geophysics and serves as a lead geologist for geothermal at Tevera. He is also an esteemed host of the OGGN Energy Transition Solution Podcast. Welcome back up on stage. Hey, come on now. Where are you going with all the work? <laughs> right? Yeah. They're so starstruck by you, that's why. Can I, can I be on this side? You can be on this side. Are you ready for this? Is this your is this your best side? You're good looking. Well, I like to look this way for some reason. I see that. I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. You have some remarkable people joining up on stage. Yes. Are you ready for that? Yes. Hello, hello. Yes, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Brian tasked me with also keeping us on time, so we are going to have a timer. We are going to be buzzing people if they're going too long, and part of all of the time will be them introducing themselves. No, let's do it like this. I introduce them while I walk up on stage. Yes. And you give them a warm welcome and then they hit it. Are you ready over there? Good. So first up on stage, Ann Robertson Tate, President and Chief Investigator at Disruptor at Geothermax and SLB Company. (laughs) Kelly Blake, Division Director in Geothermal Resource Management and Exploration Lead for the US Navy. Kelly also currently serves as president of Geothermal Rising Board. Matthias Marnesti, and Chief Investment Officer at Baseload Capital. Mike Umbro, an energy entrepreneur and investor who serves roles as partner in corporate development for Premier Resource Management and founder of CEO of Californians for Energy and Science. Welcome up on stage. Good luck. All right. Well, our timer has started, and just for for the panel's information, we've been cut five minutes. So this is going to be even more exciting. Speed dating. Yes, precisely. So, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Geothermal Rising Conference of 2023. This is the most packed. We're in lovely Reno, as always, every other year. Standing room only. So I've already been introduced, so I'm gonna save us three seconds there (laughs) and let you know this is the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast brought to you by AWS Energy. So when I was invited to record the live podcast, I said yes, absolutely, but on one condition. We're gonna do something fun. We're gonna be high energy, high stakes, and a little bit different. So as far as I know, everybody agreed, which means I get to use a buzzer and be different. So to set the stage with everybody on here, we have one big overarching thought to consider. Geothermal has many applications and technologies from ground source heat pumps to supercritical hot rock and everything in between. 
So in one way or another, we are all here to build this broader, more united geothermal industry. And the big question is, how can we create this inclusive geothermal industry? How can we coalesce and make more geothermal power for everyone? So here's what's gonna happen. I will be asking our panelists questions. They are each going to give their answers one by one. I don't think we have time for, for clapping in between, but if you want to, go for it. <laughs> and and I, I did have an air horn, but I tested it and it was far too loud. So instead, I'll be using a buzzer on my phone. And when the buzzer goes off, you can keep talking, but I will be moving to the next person. <laughs> the, the hook will come out. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. So with that, we're gonna start with the first question and we'll start with you and we'll just keep going down the road to the right. That first question is, who are you and what exactly do you do here? Okay. You have 90 seconds. Okay, I'm going. Okay, so I'm a geologist. I've been working in the geothermal sector for a long time, and um, I, my, my job has been amazing. It's been at Geothermex for 38 years, looking at everyone's resources, evaluating them, assessing them, determining how big they are and all that stuff. So I don't know how many projects I've worked on. It's definitely in the many hundreds, but it's been a lot of fun. And I just wanted to say that, that who I really am is that person who asks the questions that nobody else is willing to ask. So I believe in being a bit disruptive, uh, not in a negative way, but in a way to break down barriers and get, get somewhere with geothermal energy. I've always supported geothermal, and uh, I will continue to do that as long as I'm standing. Very good. <laughs> Kelly. Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Kelly Blake. Hopefully you are here to get that introduction before, but I'm the president of the board of directors for Geothermal Rising. I'm a geologist by training. In the last few years or so, really been in more leadership roles in the industry and I've really enjoyed it. And I am notorious for keeping things short and speaking too fast, so that's all I got. Let's go. You saved us a minute right there. Thank all you. Right. Yeah, hello. Uh, my name is Matthias Mernerstein and I'm not a geologist. So they made me the CIO of Baseload Capital instead. Um, I'm here to meet with current partners, new partners, and I think it's just a great opportunity to hang out with both what's becoming old friends and meet new ones. So thank you for having me here. Very great, thank you. Hello everybody, my name is Mike Umbro. I study energy economics and the environment. Our company, Premier Resource Management, is developing a geothermal energy storage project on the west side of Kern County in traditional oil reservoirs. So if you wanna stay around Wednesday at 2.30, I'll be presenting the paper. I gotta plug that, because I don't know how many folks will still be here. But please stay for that. And um, I'm excited. Last year was my first geothermal rising, and I was back at a table over there. And this year I'm here. And I think that's what we all need to do in geothermal is get involved, be active, be high energy, and get engaged with policy and the business community in wherever you're trying to develop your project. So uh, we're doing that. We've got a geothermal partnership with NREL, Lawrence Berkeley, Idaho National Lab, and the DOE GTO. And uh, we're trying to do uh, a pioneering project in the space for the people of California. Great, thank you. Now the next question, Kelly, we're gonna have you start. What can we learn from other industries, that being oil and gas, solar, wind, mining, or, or others, 
What can we learn from them to create a collaborative ecosystem for the geothermal industry? That's a great question, Joe. You have Joe. two minutes. Okay. Um, so I will fully admit that I have been in the industry for 12 years now. And before that, I was in geotech engineering. So in full honesty, I will say that my mind <laughs> has mainly been in, the, in this industry. Um, and the last few years, what I think we've been able to see is really, and the panel before us demonstrated that as well, is oil and gas um, really turning and pivoting into the geothermal space. And so um, I think there's lessons learned or lessons to be learned on both sides there. I think that the conversation that people have been having recently is that it feels like the beginning of when unconventional um, natural gas started to be mined, at least the ramp up, uh, because we've seen a huge growth in just you all from last year to this year, um, I'd agree. Uh, again, we were not quite sure what this year was going to look like. We were super stoked about last year and getting 1,200 people there. So 1,500 people means that that's an influx of people into the industry and hopefully that those people are potentially from other sectors that can bring in their knowledge and lessons learned, whether that comes back to policy or that comes back to the actual technologies that we're um, utilizing in the field. So. I'd say hopefully we're all keeping an open mind throughout this conference, whether that's the content up on this uh, stage or the talks that you're listening to, keep an open mind and make sure that we're all learning, listening and growing this week for sure. So I'm not sure if that answered the question, but I'll answer it that way. <laughs> all right, thank you. Matthias. Um, I think from oil and gas industry and mining, it's, it's a lot of technologies that can be successfully transferred to this industry. and. Um, I also think we can learn a lot when it comes to how we manage subsurface risk from a financial perspective. It's uh, something that I work with and I think that's, um, it, it's a lot of things we can learn from that. Um, from other renewables that has grown largely in the last 30 years, I would look at what that growth meant to that industry. If you look at how solar grow, grow in the last 30 years and what was considered not very interesting 30 years ago, and then today people are putting solar panels on the roofs in Sweden. So having an open mind to what that kind of growth also opens up or what kind of opportunities it opens, that I think is very important. Um, having that said, I think the last thing is that as we try to transfer technologies, uh, bring data over from other industries and so on, we need to just be mindful that um, it, it's not, uh, we, we have to take the time to adapt it to the purposes we are going to use it for now. So that's maybe the, the little cautiousness that we take that time as well. All right. Thank you. Mike? I think this is an exciting time to be in geothermal, obviously, but with oil and gas and bridging that community and bringing everybody together, we're excited about the rich history of thermal enhanced oil recovery in the San Joaquin Basin for us in particular, because we know the thermodynamics of how these reservoirs respond to heat. 
But what we need to do is figure out a way to heat them without the carbon intensity of a natural gas feedstock. So that's what we're doing. And so uh, we're doing that with concentrated solar and parabolic troughs to heat the reservoir and create a demand matching, demand aligned system that can, that can create clean power when the Kaizo grid needs it. So we want to effectively change the dynamics around the duct curve. That brings in the conversations with the oil majors that own many of these large reservoirs and working with them to say, hey, the west side of the San Joaquin Valley has potential to meet half of California's long duration energy storage goals if we transition them to geothermal energy storage. So uh, that can be a difficult challenge and what we need to be mindful of is oil and gas companies are there to make money. These are free market companies that are experiencing the benefit of an OPEC cut supply market globally, and they're experiencing $90 plus oil right now. So we need to recognize that those large operators are focused on making money first and foremost, but coming alongside those operators to show the value of the transition opportunity into the future, I think is a, a way to bridge the gap between bringing geothermal into a traditional oil reservoir environment and development scene. All right. And sure. I, I personally think that this collaborative ecosystem is already developing, and it's doing so through the different uses of geothermal energy. We have so much to offer to other technologies, whether it's you know complementing the intermittent renewables, critical minerals, the deep basin plays, as you were talking about, um, putting green hydrogen together from geothermal power or using geothermal heat geothermal heat for DAC units. Um, all of this sort of naturally brings a bunch of people together, um, as well as, you know, the, the prevalence of solar sitting aside geothermal power plants right here in the state of Nevada. There's quite a number of those. So um, I think this kind of, as the panel said, the DEI panel said, it's not only diversity of, of people, but it's diversity of thought. And I think that is what will bring us more together as, as a community and as a global sort of representative of what geothermal can do. So um, I think we can broaden our horizons uh, for interesting technology. We can learn from each other, consider what options work or don't work. And I think we should just dream big and uh, get better traction on the problem that we face, which is really challenging. So if we can sort of coalesce around those themes, I think we'll be doing well. All right. So one thing that I heard all of you say, and this is, this is a question I didn't prepare you for, but you, there are things we don't know, and you don't know what you don't know, and we want to collaborate. So if you see those solar panels, or if you want to do a new project and you've never worked outside of geothermal, or if you're coming from a finance background, how do you find the skills, the collaboration, the, the necessary experience and knowledge to do those things that you don't know that you want to do? Well, I'll start since you're looking at me. Um, I think the only way you do know is by asking a lot of questions. And everyone says, oh, this is a dumb question. Well, we don't have any dumb questions anymore. We're trying to find out from each other what what we can do together, how the synergies will evolve, and what they might mean for our future. So that's my answer to your question. 
question. And I'm giving you a minute, by the way. Okay. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Anne. So um, again, keep it short. Ask questions and be listening. It's easy in these situations for us to, um, again, stick to the people we know, just talk to the people we know, especially at a conference this large. There's very likely a lot of people here that you have never met before. So get uncomfortable, have uncomfortable conversations. It's going to benefit the industry and this community tremendously. So that'd be um, my two cents. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, asking questions, of course, and um, um, forming partnerships. Finding someone that has the skills that you might lack yourself or the experience and thinking that whatever we do together is probably going to be more than what I do by myself. For our team, the way we're doing it is we're taking known processes uh, known technologies and combining them and marrying them with the reservoir to make a pioneering project. So, it, so it's, it's really exciting from that perspective. But more than that, it's management and expertise and having done this before. And that's what our CEO and our technology partners come from companies like Chevron, Texaco, Getty Oil, uh, Halliburton, Schlumberger, taking the expertise and the knowledge that they have, the, the experience they have with these reservoirs, which is not necessarily still attributable to the large operators because they spend every other year laying off half their company, reorganizing half their company, and bringing new people into an asset. So you lose a tremendous amount of the knowledge. So for us, it's taking management teams with specific knowledge of the San Joaquin Basin and applying known technology in a novel process to that basin. And that's what we believe will unlock the success. All right. I'm a little upset. I still haven't gotten to use the buzzer. But yeah, I prepared you too well. So Matthias, you get to answer this one first. How does your company play a vital role in achieving a united and growing industry? I think collaboration before competition is literally who we are. We are very aware of how much we need to work with everyone else in this community to succeed. And we have a big vision for the industry. And our success is not built of taking a certain market share of that. Our success is built on us together utilizing the full potential of geothermal because our share of that would be more than big enough. So um, I think the best I can do, even though I realize it's 1,500 people here, is to say that if you feel like maybe we are not that collaborative, please come and speak to me. Very good. Mike. Uh, for us, I look at the fact that over 60% of the workforce in oil and gas in California is Hispanic. Uh, if you look at a map of the entire Kern County area, it's basically all disadvantaged community when you look at the Justice 40 screening tool. So I look at that as a tremendous opportunity for clean energy technologies, for geothermal technologies to save these jobs. Because currently mandated, this is a shutdown of the oil and gas industry in California. 
bar none. It's shutting down. And these people do not have anywhere to go in terms of new job creation. It does not exist. And there was just an article uh, posted on Yahoo about this with Fred Holmes. And so I see a tremendous opportunity for those that are willing to engage in the process and really bring new and exciting pioneering work to the table to be the life preserver for these communities, these disadvantaged communities, that if we don't bring the jobs, they simply go away. They're just going to be gone. And so that's what, that's the bridging, again, the bridging opportunity for us in the oil and gas community and the large operators to say, hey, we want your workers and we want, we need to drill wells. It's like for like work. The only difference is we're creating clean power instead of a carbon-based uh, byproduct. So. No, that, that's a great point. I know that, um, Working for the Navy Geothermal Program Office, we oversee the, the contract between the operator, coastal operating company, and the Navy, and that's a big concern for us. As the services leave Bakersfield, um, we, as in coastal operating company, um, end up taking on the burden of those services having to, um, to come from a lot further away, and that's an increased cost for that operator for sure. So I think that's a great point and a really important point that we need to make sure that those services that are potentially leaving the state understand that there's still a vast opportunity for geothermal to utilize those services, and we do utilize those services um, to help uh, with the bottom line, but also to help with jobs in those communities as well. And when it comes to the Navy Geothermal Program Office, um, I'll just say that coming back to the conversation about being uh, or touching every point of the geothermal industry, anything from low temperature all the way through to closed loop. That's something that I think our program has done a good job of um, over the years, um, speaking to closed loop company, having a demonstration project at COSO, much to COSO operating companies um, uh, to give them their props, as well as wading into the EGS space, as well as trying to get some ground source heat pump wells drilled in the Pacific Northwest installation. So if you have any questions about how your geothermal technology can be utilized by a DOD, please come to our booth because I think we um, all pat ourselves on the back. I think we've done a good job imp implementing um, most of the technologies in this room. And go ahead. Okay. Wow. Good, great, great answers from everyone. And I, I just want to say, you know, Joe's question is about a united industry. And Geothermex, which is, which is part of SLB now, but we're in, we've had 50 years of making unbiased analyses of what geothermal resources can do. And um, although you know, we do make comparisons with all the other resources that we've, that we've seen, we evaluate these projects on their own merits, really as objectively as we possibly can. And I think that is something that has provided stability to our industry, and it's also enabled opportunity in our industry too. And I think the, the credibility that we sort of enforce, I will say a little bit in our, with our customers, um, you know, it was helping to grow the, the geothermal industry and helping to unite us together as we, as we carry on. So it's not all about geothermics, but it is, uh, I think, something of a glue to this industry. And we're proud to have been in it for a long time. And we will, we will continue to try to coalesce as our, our horizons expand and as we get more people uh, engaged in, in what we think is the, a good source of energy, the only remaining 24-7 source of electricity that we have that is renewable. 
and uh, we're looking forward to more of same. Very good. So the last question, this will be a little bit faster. What do you and your company need to be successful? They've got 30 seconds. Mike. Permits. <laughs> we need permits, seriously. It's, 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 it, we laugh, but there have been seven oil and gas permits permitted in the state of California in 2023. CalGem doesn't have enough staff to process the abandonment permits that are that are being applied for. So how can we expect to have an energy transition when we can't permit the most basic tasks because it's so hyper politicized? I don't believe the agencies are sitting there, you know, Mr. Burns holding back on permits. I just don't feel they have the support from the from the policymakers in Sacramento to make it happen. There it is. Yes, finally. And let's go to you. All right. So, <laughs> 30 seconds, what do you need to make your project successful? Well, we like to make other people's projects successful, but I'll speak about geothermics, and our critical need is for people. We believe in people, and we look for people who have the right attitude. As I mentioned before, we have a very diverse staff. We really enjoy that. And we are looking for people who value geothermal energy and have some skills that we can apply. But you know, we all work across the, the frame of geothermal. Not everyone has a specific specialty, and that's our strength in getting the jobs done quickly. Thank you for allowing me to go over. <laughs> I am loving that. Um, so I think, <laughs> I think right now, especially being a government employee, we are well lined up um, with all the people in place from our perspective anyway, what we're seeing in leadership roles to be as productive as we possibly can within the geothermal space right now. And I think this group this um, and the group that's going to be here this week is a direct correlation to the interest of the federal government in this country, as well as just the understanding um, across the globe when it comes to the importance of climate change and what this, geo this energy resource can do to help fight it. All of you guys, I think we need collaboration within the industry and within the adjacent industries. Thank you. Thank you. Now that's an answer. I'm Swedish. I follow rules. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, they removed our timer, and I think I think Kristen's trying to come up here and kick us off the stage. But I did want to give everybody just another minute and a half to do some closing thoughts and. And then after they give a quick closing thought, then I will wrap up with like two minutes. I think that's still within our time. We'll see if, if I get buzzed afterwards. <laughs> and we'll start with you. All right. So my feeling is that our industry is quite cohesive. I mean, there will always be differences of opinion between us, but I think that we um, need the tension of that, of the maybe differences of opinion. We can leverage those. And that's what we need to do. And when I said before, you know, I've said I, I'd like to be a bit disruptive. I like the tension of people who disagree. And I like participating in that. And I think it's really important that we do that. So I just think there's too many good things for geothermal energy to do that we can't sort of mess around. Uh, and we have something to do very urgently all together as an industry and as more industries um, together. So I'll just, just leave it with that. 
Um, I don't think it's, you know, to deploy everything we have at warp speed is too big an ask. I think we need to do that, and I think we can do it. So just leave you with that hopeful thought. And I think um, I honestly forget the question, so I'm just going to say what I want. But um, so <laughs> thank you for being here. Um, this is the first step, but I, I want to go back to what our IGA president said, which is um, speaking to the people in this room that have drank the Kool-Aid is one thing, but taking that message to um, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, colleges, taking that message to um, the people in your neighborhood is what's going to help continue to grow this industry. So um, please take the message and spread it far and wide. Uh, I think we need to keep two thoughts in our head at the same time. We need to take, us, take ourselves the time and dare to think about what the real potential is long term. But at the same time, we also need to look at what we can do right now. Because if we don't show traction now, we will probably not even be allowed to try in the future. So those two things combined, I think, is what we really need. I guess my closing thoughts would be stay energetic, stay positive about your project, develop it to the best of your ability. But what we need is we, we do need everybody to come together. We do need the large, in our case in California, the large oil operators to, uh, to step up and, and talk about these policy discussions and not shy away and just sit in the back and milk their production like what's happening. And we need the small independents to have support from the geothermal community and really embed themselves with this community because it's going to take a lot of policy discussion. It's going to take a lot of uh, negotiation with folks that own the poor space. It's going to talk, take a lot of uh, surface use in certain technologies. There's so many moving factors. Uh, no energy system comes without trade-offs. And I think that's the most important takeaway is that everybody needs to be comfortable speaking about all of these trade-offs and not shying away from a conversation that might seem politicized, which they all, which it is, which it is. So embrace it, be uncomfortable, and just talk about it. Very good, thank you. Well, I think it, one thing I didn't say earlier, why these four on the panel? We have Anne representing consulting and industry expertise, bringing together everybody and really really understanding the resources. Kelly representing the government, organizations, not, not actually representing the government. I didn't mean that. And, and somebody who is a, an owner of poor space and mineral space, a, a key stakeholder. And then Matthias and Baselow Capital being the, the funder, developer, collaborator, bringing in projects and making sure they have the resources to get them done. And then Mike with the developer role. So it really requires all of us, it requires the expertise, it requires buy-in from the stakeholder, it requires the funding and the projects. So we all do need to work together to grow the industry. And, and one more shameless plug, if you don't like talking to people, I'm actually an introvert, I don't actually like talking to people. So if you don't want to talk to your neighbor, send them this podcast or send them the Core Knowledge Podcast, or send them Baseload Capitals, not another podcast, The Switch. So there's ways that you can get that information out there if you don't want to actually talk to them. But with that, can we thank our panelists and, and thank you all for, for sitting through this.
Join us again next week for another low-carbon, high-energy story on the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.